Welcome to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network, provided by Story94 in their podcast studio in Oxford. My name is Ben Thompson and a co-owner of OBCN. Our podcast aims to share the expertise, knowledge and experience of our members covering those issues impacting on local business. For this episode, our guests are Tim Wraith of Sobel House, Jamie Miller of Headway Oxfordshire and Anne Cooper of Sicily's Fund. Um, so let's start the conversation um, by giving you all a chance to introduce yourselves. So let's start with you, Jamie. Introduce yourself and Headway Oxfordshire. Hello, okay, my name is Jamie Miller. I'm the CEO of Headway Oxfordshire. Um, I'm also director of the Oxfordshire Association of Care Providers as well, but my main job is uh, CEO of Headway Oxfordshire. We're a specialist organisation working with people affected by brain injury, so we provide a sort of holistic range of services that support people from the initial stages of their injury whilst they're still in hospital and then um, out into the community. And we have specialist rehabilitation centre in Kennington and a number of other services that support people sort of one-to-one in the community, um, helping people to regain lost skills and sort of adapt to a, a a new life, really, I suppose, because uh, head, uh, head injury is such a, a complex um, and difficult um, uh, situation to find yourself in. So uh, we provide services for people, individuals, um, their carers and family members as well. So we sort of uh, very much, as I say, sort of holistic, person-centered kind of focus, um, offering the kinds of support that people require across their recovery journey. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to cross yourself, Tim. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and indeed Sobel House. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I'm the um, Corporate and Community Partnerships Manager for Sobel House. We're a hospice on the, um, on the Churchill site in Headington, so we support people who are coming to the end of their lives. We cover probably roughly 80% of Oxfordshire. We'd say any, any one day we're caring for around about 500 people, mm. either in the hospice, in the local hospital, or throughout our community. And obviously in... Um, pre-COVID times we'd have a day centre as well and hopefully that will open again um, when, when we can but um, yeah Sobel House is a, a hospice that's been around for nearly 46 years and, and well known in Oxford I mean people when you say I work for Sobel House it, it resonates mm. with a lot of people mm. absolutely absolutely um, and last but certainly not least across yourself Anne um, hi I'm Anne Cooper and I'm the fundraiser for um, Sicily's Fund we're based in Whitney um, there's a little bit of a story behind the base of how we were, you know, founded as a charity. Um, in 1997, young Cicely Eastwood was in Zambia, in Kipwe, working in an orphanage. Um, she was 19. She was she had a gap year about two weeks before she was due to return back to the UK to start her studies as a student. Sadly, tragically, she was killed in a road accident. Her parents went out to Zambia just to see where she'd been working. They wanted to see, you know, the orphanage. Um, They were just totally overwhelmed by the numbers of really small children who were, you know, because unfortunately, uh, right across the whole of sub-Saharan Africa, there'd been a pandemic oddly enough, um, HIV, AIDS. So we had so there was a lot of children. In fact, even today, Zambia, like many sub-Saharan countries, do have very young populations indeed. So, OK, we started really small. We thought, what, what's the best thing to start? We're going to Zambia. What should we do? We've only ever concentrated in two areas, out in the Copper Belt and just outside Lusaka. Uh, we concentrate on paying school fees, but to be honest, we've become very holistic and now we have a, a quite a holistic approach now. It's not just school fees. It's about inspiring these poor children to stay at school, these disadvantaged children who are the most likely to 
fall out of school, who absolutely need education as a route out of poverty. We work with the communities, we do savings groups, and we do peer education. So, um, and we've been doing that for 24 years now. We're, as I say, a very small charity running on a shoestring, but uh, very effective. And uh, we've probably invested well over seven million pounds now over the last 24 years and helped thousands of children. Wow, amazing, amazing. It, it is so humbling listening to the three of you with, with all the great work that, that the charities that you do, that you represent. Um, I'm fortunate to know the three of you. Um, and I know that one of the things that c- connects all three of you is um, how innovative and, and how open you are work, working with businesses. So, so Jamie, I think I'm just going to start, start with you really around, around the theme. How, how can businesses support a charity and how can they engage with a charity? Um, I suppose there's, um, you know, a myriad of different ways. Um, what we try to do at Headway Oxford is we try to look for opportunities of mutual benefit. I mean, it's mm. of uh, no interest to us or potentially corporate partners to to just basically be a one-way stream. You know, we, we're not mm. putting our hands out and asking for money, but as I always say, I'm gladly accepted anyway. <laughs> Please do send it in. Um, but um, that aside, we're looking for sort of opportunities of mutual benefit, something that will mean that that partnership is meaningful mm. and um, long-lasting and sustainable for everybody involved. So that's actually quite a complex thing. Um you know, what synergy could there possibly be between a corporate organisation and a small charity like ours, well, medium-sized charity that that provides specialist services for people with brain injury? So you have to scratch your head a little on this and you have to have a think about it. And there are going to be those things that are more obvious, those kind of really direct things. So, for example, um, people that have uh, brain injuries that normally, for example, if they're a traumatic brain injury, i.e. an injury that comes through an accident, then people will quite often require um, legal services. So there are lawyers um, you know, and attached to lawyers, there are case managers and various other different sort of corporate bodies mm. that, that that will work in support of people when they're in those sorts of circumstances. So, you know, from my perspective, with brain injuries specifically, you can look at that and say, okay, so there you go. Potentially, legal partners have got some mutual interest in working with us, and th- so therefore, we do have a number of legal partners that work with us on specific projects. And as I say, mutually beneficial projects. So, the sorts of projects that really, at the end of the day, I'm sure it's the same with um, my colleagues here, is that. We're all trying to aim to meet the aims and objectives of the organisation and provide better support and services to those individuals who are the beneficiaries of what we do. Mm. Um, But um, I think sometimes one of the things that people don't necessarily understand is just how savvy and businesslike you have to be with um, with a charity. It's 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 you know charity. It's it's kind of a an interesting sort of. I don't know, title to be to be kind of lumbered with, if I can use that word. Probably not lumbers on the right word, but you know what I'm saying. It's an interesting one. I don't know whether my colleagues here agree, but it can be quite difficult when you're talking from the perspective of um, a charitable um, a charitable stance, really. I think people think you're always on the ask, and that's quite a difficult place to be. So like I say, from my perspective, we look for mutual benefit, we look for synergy, we look for natural opportunities. Um, and sometimes those will be something like, for example, we've got a project called the Oxford ABI Support Service, and we work with legal partners on that. Um, and, and that is a direct and, from our perspective, obvious you know opportunity for partnership. I won't go into the details of it, but basically it's a really good partnership model where, mm. where everyone benefits. Um, but then there are those less obvious things. So, so people that bring skills to the table, you know, mm. people, you know, we've met through the 
Yorkshire Business Network, for example, many people have been really helpful and supportive. I remember some great fun, you know, laying paving slabs with Mike and his dad and a whole bunch of great people from the Yorkshire Business Network um, outside our, our activity centre. So there's there's all kinds of ways of people sort of helping and supporting a charity, whether it's with a skill set, whether it's with financial donation, whether it's a mutually beneficial, as I say, project or partnership. So you've just got to get your thinking cap on and and and, and again about relationships. So so your network and and, and my you know yours and Mike's network is is a really important element to what we do. Absolutely, absolutely. Some really good points there. Um, the, the the big thing that, that that I think was really good is is around that that kind of mutual benefit. And I think one of the one of the big things um, that there's a problem with in, in Oxfordshire and and trust the recruiter to mention staffing being a problem, but actually retaining and attracting staff and and team building days is such a big thing that companies are spending thousands and thousands and thousands on. And I know Tim, you've spoken a lot about team building days at Sobel house that really has that mutual benefit that Jamie was talking about there. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit more about what that looks like. Yeah, and also mention to, well, to add to what Jamie was saying as well. We're all, we're all part of a charity, but really we're all part of a business, aren't we? You know, mm. and I think we need to run as a business, like your mm. business and like Soaring 94 business, like any business, we are a business with charitable status. Mm. So whatever we do, we need to make sure we're doing it in a cost-effective way, mm. that we're doing it in a professional way. So I just sort of caveat that and add to what Jamie was um, was saying. But there's a, there's a great quote from dear old Ronald Reagan. Those of a certain age will remember him. Ben, you're too young. <laughs> but he said, you know, we can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. We can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Would you uh, mind doing that with the accent, though, please, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, but, we... Uh... <laughs> but um, uh, what I try to do uh, in my role is, is try and make it possible to, for everyone to help someone, really. And one of those ways we do that is through our, um, is through our volunteering days in, in, the, um, in the hospice, in the hospice garden. We haven't got... Because someone will ring and say, you know, have you got a wall we can paint i'm laughing but that's like people say that's like your stereotypical request have you got a fence we can put up yeah isn't or, it funny how people think painting's an easy job and they can <laughs> sling a paintbrush around no, we've I, had that I, so many I, times I, I sense the hospice wouldn't let a bunch of volunteers anywhere near kind of paint perhaps i might be wrong but um but we've got we've got a lovely garden at, at, at sobel house and there's a, there's a massive connection between the inside and the outside if you're very ill how it looks outside, nature, it's a massive connection. Absolutely. So we're not, we're not making up volunteering jobs just to provide a, an opportunity for some lovely people to come and volunteer for us. There's definitely an opportunity to, to do something positive. Mm. And the funny thing I find about when we, we get a group of, say, eight local business people from, from a local organisation will come and um, they'll come and spend a day with us they'll get there about 10 and leave about three and we'll provide lunch i didn't mm. want them I mean, when i first came we used to suddenly say well you can get your sandwiches down the road there's not many places on the church site where you can really get great hospitality but you, know, you can you can go to wh smith and i thought well, i don't want to be doing that i want to we're called sobel house we're a house a community a place mm. and um so we, we provide lunch at half time and I get the opportunity to speak to them and in between the lunch and after the lunch they go and do some good hours work and the funny thing thing is about and I'm sure others will say will agree that people who volunteer their time and do something positive often end up receiving more mm. than they've actually 
felt they were given in the first place. Mm. And I think when you go to a place like Sobel House where people are very ill, I'll always say, you know, there's a lot of people very ill here. You don't need to sort of pussyfoot around. Mm. As long as you're not being really raucous, you mm. can have a good laugh and you have a really good day. But um, they feel better for doing it. That mm. thing about giving is something that we've really um, focused on over the last two years, really. And people want to give, and we want to make it as easy as possible for them to give whatever they can give. Mm. And one of those things is their time. And, you know, we, we've worked, I don't know how much, it's probably about 40,000 we probably would have had to pay someone to come and do our garden over mm. the last two years, over the last year. So, yeah, volunteering in our garden, or perhaps in our shops, but I, I focus more on the garden at Sobel. I became quite emotionally attached to the garden too, really. Mm. I quite enjoyed being out there and seeing it, and I take a lot of pride in how it looks. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that really is just an example of a win-win, isn't it? It really, really is win-win. Um, and uh, as well as well as your role, uh, you are a volunteer, aren't you? You just like to help people I and like, I like to do I good do. things. So, so it'd just be interesting to hear um, probably you with two hats on, if that's okay, yeah. with with the hat of the charity you're representing, but also um, what you get for, from volunteering and, uh, uh, and doing good stuff, in inverted commas. Well, I'm actually right in the middle at the moment of, of securing some sponsorship on behalf of a Rotary Club. And uh, that, so this is me as a volunteer now. I, I'm writing to all the community or the business community in Banbury to see if I can get somebody to get behind our Broughton Castle Sportive, uh, which will be on July the 10th. Um, and that, so that's interesting because... Uh, that's that's taking a more professional attitude as a volunteer. You know, mm. I'm saying to our fellow Rotarians, we've got to be a little bit more business-like. You know, mm. we've got to get a proper poster and let's get sponsorship mm. options and let's write to all the you know the business community. So that's one aspect of volunteering. Um, I'm also a trustee. I'm a trustee for the Cotswolds Lake Trust. So which I get. I mean, it's actually incredibly hard work because I'm the fundraising trustee. And so when I was taken on, they said, well, we'd like you to be real hands on, you know. <laughs> so there's no like sitting back and just waiting for four board meetings a year, which sounds rather nice to me. You know, <laughs> it's I am really involved as a volunteer. So I, we have regular uh, weekly fundraising meetings where I have, you know, with the director and a consultant that we brought on. So and we're, we're just launching or about to launch one5 million appeals so you know it's quite serious in a way so yeah no but as a volunteer i'm really quite busy indeed indeed no really really, really interesting what J jamie bring, bring yourself self back in and i'm sure tim you'll, you'll have something to add to this as well um we've spoken a lot about a charity as a business um It'd, it'd be interesting just to learn a little bit more about um, as 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 a charity, kind of the strains and I guess kind of the strains of being a charity and being a business at the same time and and, and kind of getting that money together and um, in order to do the great work that you do. It'd just be it'd just be interesting for, for the listeners to l learn a little bit more more about that, if that's OK. Well, you're certainly opening up something there. Um, that's, uh, yeah, interesting. I just want to say one thing, though, before we move on from, from what Alan and Tim were saying, um, I think for for those organizations out there listening to this um 
you know this this whole thing about about giving of time or, or or whatever it is you're giving it is a two-way relationship and i think that's really vital and i think and you were sort of mentioning something there where it demonstrated that you know there were people were being really proactive about engaging with you um and that's something else that i think people need to remember it's it's not about the charity going out and asking for that help it's actually about us all coming together um which is again why i say about mutual benefit you know when there's some you know a vested interest for people it, it means they're more likely to engage in that way so i think that's a really important aspect that the organizations also you know um engage really proactively with with whatever it is you're doing with with your with your charity partner um so yeah so the well oh, blimey you've really asked something there because it's difficult to talk about this without it sounding incredibly negative and i don't want to because i'm a very solution focused kind of person and so mm. is our organization by its nature so um i suppose one of the most difficult things from our perspective, being a specialist organization providing very highly specialized services for a complex need that is mm. basically a health and social care need. Um, because of that, we are really kind of engaged with the statutory sector in terms of health and social care. And I mm. think that is one of the very difficult relationships that's very hard. So say I don't want to be negative because I want to be solution focused, but it is nonetheless one of the most difficult aspects of my job as a CEO, for example, is to balance the reality we know, and I'm sure uh, my colleagues here again will also back me up on this. Basically, we most charities, I think, are born of true identified need by mm. people that could not find the sort of help and support that, that they needed or wanted anywhere else because it mm. just simply doesn't exist. So Headway Oxfordshire, for example, we've been around for 35 years odd now, and we were started by a small group of people who had loved ones who had a brain injury, and there was literally nothing for them whatsoever in the community in terms mm. of peer support, or um, ongoing sort of rehabilitative support. Once you'd been shown the door at the hospital, um, you'd be amazed, actually. Mm. Um, you know, people always say the same thing. They use the phrase, I was dropped off a cliff. Mm. And, and that's irrespective of their background or their condition or anything else. It's, it's, it's quite scary, really, to be in that situation. Well, very scary to be in that situation for people, which is why we do what we do in a holistic sense and work from, as I mentioned earlier, that, that initial stage where you've just unfortunately received your brain injury and you're in hospital. We we're in there on the hospital wards supporting people at that stage through the discharge process and then out into the community and that's really vital because there needs to be that ongoing hand holding and that support throughout that entire journey of rehabilitation and I quite often say to clinical colleagues I say you know don't forget people are people they're not patients we're a patient if we're unfortunate for a very very short period of our lives you know a tiny percentage and the rest of the time we're like all of us sitting here human beings getting on with our lives and we have other interests and other relationships with other people and, and, and wants and desires and things we want to do. And mm. that is, you know, what we're trying to lead people back to after a complex injury like a brain, you know, like a brain injury is, is, is how do I get back to as normal an existence as I possibly can? So, sorry, going back to the point, I digress a little, but going back to the point. So one of the frustrations is quite often you'll find that there's several factors the NHS and social care are two large machines, the NHS mm. particularly enormous. Um, and like all large machines, like a big oil tanker, it takes a very long time for it mm. to notice there's something it might crash into um, mm. and then be able to steer and change course and, ch you know, change its direction and it's, it's uh, you know, how it deals with things. Um, so working, trying to work alongside that is very difficult and there's a couple of key factors when working with the NHS I've discovered. And again, I don't know whether this is uh, mutually, um, you know, an experience of other, others here, but, but um, 
it's going to sound awfully negative this, but I don't want it to, but it is, I'm afraid. So there's two things. One is I call clinical snobbery and one I call um, clinical protectionism. So basically what, what we have is a huge machine, which is the NHS, which has enormous amounts of public money poured into it. And rightly so. I mean, if you believe in the NHS, you believe in it. And I certainly do. And I think it's an amazing institution. Um, but it, it's not necessarily a brilliant and efficient institution and it doesn't necessarily always work particularly well um, and it doesn't work particularly well actually for those who have brain injuries even though there's fantastic work by really amazing people in our local hospitals for example really fantastic clinicians doing that work it, it is very much a matter of dealing with a medical issue um, you know putting somebody back together again and then releasing them out into the wild as it were back to back to their home and and that's where the difficulty lies we need to think about people as I said earlier in the longer term about you know their entire life and, and where they're going to go with this recovery journey really uh, from my perspective anyway so it's about how do we engage really meaningfully in partnership and working with those with those organizations as I say health and social care being the two major ones we work with and that's a real bumpy ride you mm -hmm. know you have national strategy um, that that is sometimes slow to come about you know and then when it does come about it's very very hard to actually implement in a meaningful way that affects positive outcomes for people on the ground so there's some real you know there's some real sort of dichotomies in that um but we try our best you know to, to make that relationship work and be positive and and offer um positive opportunities that that will help you know develop and sustain um really positive services for people in the community so that's what we do Amazing. No, that's really helpful. Just, just, just coming across. I think this links really nicely to yourself, Tim. It, it just feels like I'm going around a circle, and I'm sorry, but, but, but a big word for for Sobel House is kindness. You use the word kindness a lot, and and when I went to um your 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 business lunch at the White Hart at Fifield, really good lunch by the way. But anyway, when I went to that business lunch, I, I think that process from going to the NHS to that kindness at the end of life of Sobel House really resonated with me. Can you just yeah do a better job of explaining that to the listeners? There was at Whiteham, not Fifield, but um, yes, but that's I, awkward, not, isn't it? Not, not wanting to correct you, but they're both great. <laughs> they are both great. You know, both great, and actually, that links to kindness, obviously, because um, yeah, I, I always say over the last two years, if we could, if I could trip over kindness, I'd have, I'd have been spent half my time on the floor because we have seen so much kindness over the last two years, and mm. I think the, hu the, the 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 basic human instinct for most of us. Is, is to show kindness, isn't it? Mm. I think most people do. I think you know, we, we hear all the bad stuff, but most of it is, 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 is mm. kindness. And I always think that if you are very desperate, that's when you see kindness. Mm. And I, in my own life, I've had two bouts of illness, both times, you know, once I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have lasted the night unless mm. there's been intervention. And that recovery for me, you don't glimpse kindness of a certain kind unless you've been really desperate at that time mm. and so i've seen it i've seen it personally and i i talk about it all the time and um so yeah kindness has been has been my word my um pandemic word has been mm. kindness thankfully we saw kindness sort of in a very sort of not a huge way but in a very meaningful way was that um for over six weeks right at the beginning of the um the pandemic um headington market connected with us and every tuesday a different stall holder would bring in some food for the um for the for the staff now i i'm not i mean i really we we, we know the nhs is, uh, is underfunded and we know we don't pay medical staff nhs nurses enough but i mean they are being paid you know mm. so so that none of them i don't think at that point was certainly um were starving they were being paid and but it was more the fact that some food was brought in like 
um, Pindy made her samosas and she brought them in. It wasn't just the fact that, oh, there's some food, I'm hungry. It was more the gesture of someone showing kindness. So, yeah, I mean, we, we did a cookbook. Instead of doing our um, golf day, which I normally organise, we, we decided to do something completely different. We did a cookbook instead, which you know, I came up with the idea of the name as well. It's my, I don't mind saying, showing off. I came up with the word food and kindness. It was all about food and food, food the way that we... Food is very hospitable. It's when we have people around for dinner, you're showing them kindness through food. So I thought, well, let's call it food and kindness. And the food and kindness made actually twice as much as our golf day would. So I went to three organisations who then showed kindness by paying for it. So it didn't cost us anything. So three, you know, and, and I'm a great believer as well. If, if, if you, if, for those who, the rich should be supporting the poor. Is what I. I mean, I'm. 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 I'm quite say. shameless in saying that. I think you know. I think if we've got if you've got more money, then I think we should be giving the money and and some very gentle. But then that doesn't always follow though. Those people who make lots of money or businesses who are very very profitable don't always give it away. You don't always mm. follow. But we happen to come across some lovely generous people who support Sobel House who are doing well, mm. but also then want to give some of that money to us. So three great companies who I've got to know really really well paid for the book and then we got we got um i think about 24 businesses in in the book and that was also it's all about partnerships as well because that was mm. an opportunity for us to connect with a, a part of the world the industry that is really struggling and obviously for some mm. some of those places the the door was shut they weren't they weren't trading yes. part-time or in a different way they were they weren't trading at all so i can think of i can think of sue and Della who run oxford fine dining you know such a great name because they do provide fine dining and they do outside dinners and well their business just their mm. business just stopped but incidentally they turned on their head and, and, and they started doing kindness they were in a mess themselves yeah. but then they started providing lunches for this that and the other and yeah i'm amazed actually that the people who are really struggling then start doing something with kindness mm. so yeah kindness so rambling a bit but kindness has been the word no thank you thank you Thank you very much um, to the three of you. And I'd have loved to have come to, to Anne, but we, we ran out of time at the, at the end. But but no, the, the three of you have, have made some such great, great points. But that does bring the uh, this this episode of the podcast to the end. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network. Um, and thank you to our members. Um, as if they need a reminder, we've had Jamie Miller of Headway Oxfordshire, Tim Wraith of Sobel House, um, and Anne Cooper of Sicily Fund. Um, and also just to say, thank you um, to Story94 for providing um, this podcast and also um, for providing a venue, um, their own podcast studio in Oxford. So thank you for that. Please do subscribe to our podcast and we look forward to sharing more with you very soon. Thank you.